Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the second episode of NerdPod Generations. My name is Steve Taylor. I am one of the illustrious hosts of this glorious podcast. And I just want to start by letting you know you can find our podcast now at Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Hopefully, Apple Podcasts and the other 75 million other ones will realize our genius and soon allow you to listen to us through them. But I would like to first welcome uh, my lovely co-host, Mr. Al Judson. Hello, Al. Hello, friends and enemies. How's everybody doing out there? Oh, I still laugh. Every time I listen to that last episode, how you squeezed in and enemies at the very end. <laughs> oh, that was one of the best Easter eggs I've ever heard. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Happy accident. Yeah. For, for those of you who, who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Al started our last podcast by saying and enemies when I said welcome friends, and I thought it was fantastic. And then as the podcast is tailing off, he just whispers and enemies at the very end, and it is pure brilliance from the mind of a genius, Mr. Well, L. I Jensen. can't take credit for it. That, that's something I, I straight up stole from Cary Grant in the, the Philadelphia <laughs> story. So, <laughs> Luckily, uh, the majority of our listeners will probably have no idea who that is. So exactly. it's not like exactly. you're so I, I essentially wrote it for all intents. Yes, you wrote it. This week's podcast, we are going to be delving deep into Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, to give you a quick heads up for next week, uh, we are going to be discussing certain liberties taken in canon of stories to be translated to film. Uh, we're going to be looking at the positive changes to canon. Uh, we're kind of piggybacking off of today's topic of the Justice League, uh, having to deal with the mother boxes, how they've kind of altered their meaning from the original comic to what they are in the movie. Uh, we're going to be kind of delving into that. For those of you who are looking for us to discuss uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we are going to be talking about that show. Uh, we're just going to wait until a few episodes have gone uh, through the through the gauntlet. It turns out, but we're we're discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League today, folks. Uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, Justice League came out a couple years ago. It was a terrible Trash. movie, horrible movie, a hot garbage, trashy movie. Yeah. And Zack Snyder had to leave the production or, uh, at the very end as, as they were in post-production because of the tragic loss of his daughter. Uh, Zack Snyder is the director in the movie, and his wife is one of the producers. So they both had to leave the project to deal with uh, family issues. Uh, Josh Whedon was brought in, and he pretty much completely ruined the movie. Now, yes, mind you, now, mind you, I've been a Josh Whedon fan. I, I love... Uh, a lot of the stuff he's done, I thought he started to go downhill with Age of Ultron, and his version of Justice League was just garbage. What would you take on that, sir? It, it was real bad. Um, I, I was right there with you. I was like, um, as of like 2014, I was like, oh yeah, Joss Whedon, nerd god cool and I, I love this guy. He gave me Avengers, you know. I was never into Buffy, but I liked Firefly. Um, oh, Firefly's awesome, yeah. But uh, I agree with you. Around Age of Ultron, I was like, "This, this, there's a lot of problems here." And I know people blame like Kevin Feige trying to get too many, too many things in, and you know there were too many cooks in the kitchen. But it was, it was a hot mess at times. And then you fast forward to Justice League, and oh my god, <laughs> oh, whew. 
Well, just the amount of money they had on special effects for that movie, including his reshoots, and they could not do a better job with Henry Cavill's mustache. I know. And that's the first shot of, or was the first shot of the movie. Like, thank God they took that entire sequence out. But holy crap, how do you decide that that's where you want to start your movie is with this shot? You want to put all your money into this one moment? And I don't I mean agree. that like literally, I mean that like figuratively, you're going to put all, all your stacks of chips into this moment and sell the audience on you choose CGI mustache-less Henry Cavill. Oh, so bad. Why, so bad. Do it. Just, you know what? He was, his ego has got to be off the charts. Well, when he was doing Justice League, he's had a lot of uh, Me Too movement. Uh, issues come up over the last year or two yeah but prior to that his ego had to have been just at a an ultimate level because of the avengers and, and age of ultron you know those two films alone if if you didn't know him or have him on a pedestal he was shot up to there because of those yeah so i can imagine he just thought he couldn't do no wrong and then and then you throw in like all the ray fisher allegations that have come out recently and it sounds like just like it it sounds like the hot mess that it turned out to be um, yeah. but like, let's, let's talk about the good one because Hey, Ray Fisher's in this one and he's goddamn awesome. Oh my God. He's so good. It's, it's, it's such a better so character. Good. And Oh my God. All the things that were cut out of the original are so good. Yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest. I don't think this version of the movie would work in theaters because I was, I was talking to my wife about this. I can't imagine that movie being any less than the four hours. There wasn't really a, any part I would cut from it. There was no fat. It was a four hour movie with no, no fat. It looked and, like and the Henry way they Cavill broke it down into off. chapters. And first off, folks, this is going to be a spoiler. Oh yeah. Probably spoiler filled podcast. So if you have not seen it yet, don't listen to what we're saying until after you watch it, then come back and listen to our episode because I don't want to give things away that, I mean, it, it's pretty much the same movie you saw with Justice League. The way- I, I was talking to my wife and I was like, it's it's like someone went into WB's dumpster and they were just sorting through the garbage and they're like, hey, there's actually like a really great Justice League movie back here. If you, you know, you just put like, I don't know, 20 more years of work into it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I really, I was super impressed because I came away from the original Justice League rolling my eyes. And mm-hmm. I came away from this one and I was all in, you know, I, I want to, I'm ready to put all of my chips on the table and say, let's go. Let's, let's see where this story goes. Cause I am in. I mean, they literally broke the internet the night it was released. The, mm-hmm. the amount of viewership for HBO max just exploded and it's, it's getting such high praise and such great accolades that it would be very hard pressed, especially since they're still making movies in the canon. The Flash, uh, they're going to do another Wonder Woman. They're doing another Aquaman. Uh, you know, I understand that Batfleck was kind of out of the running, but since he did shoot that that final scene again with him and the Joker, you know, and and, and um, Slade Wilson, you know, all those together makes me think that maybe Affleck would come back. And do Batman, I, I, which I hope, because I love his Batman. Here's my thing. Um, I've been, I if they do this, if they go ahead with this series, which I desperately hope they do, um, I feel like between the the post apocalyptic kind of design that we're going to be going into, because I envision this being like a twofold movie: the the before mm. and the after. Um, 
And I feel like for a lot of the after, Batfleck doesn't need to be, you know, skin tight ripped. He can just be kind of like Ben Affleck in a trench coat with a Batman mask. And I mm-hmm. think it would work because that costume is more conducive to not necessarily being crazy ripped. Um, but like, I, man, I want Justice League Apocalypse so bad. I, I don't know if that's what they're going to call it. That's what I'm calling it. I want it so bad. <laughs> well, they have so many great storylines that they, they've started in the animated series. But going back to your Batfleck thing, if you look at that scene they shot with him in the Martian Manhunter. Oh, yeah. That, that Ben Affleck wasn't ripped Ben Affleck. No, no. And he didn't need to be. That, no, that was like Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I I still say, um, because I, I I don't I like Ben Affleck in this role. Um, I will be honest. I liked Batman and Wonder Woman in the movie. I didn't love Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot's performances in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was just sitting there like I I get it and I like it and conceptually it's cool. I really want to see if they bring in Nightwing because they're they're dancing around with this idea that the Joker killed Jason Todd. Maybe he is Jason Todd. And it's like bring in Nightwing. And that way you can kind of have Batman take kind of a sideline seat. Again, you, you don't have to have Ben Affleck do the full 180% of the thing. Just have him do like the 90% you need him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like bring in Nightwing. And then you have this contrast between him and whatever's go- I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Joker. I personally think he's Jason Todd, but I have no idea. Yeah, that's tough because the way I mean, the fact that I don't know, though, because the way Batman, especially when he said, I I will fucking kill you. Yeah. Makes me think that if it was Jason Todd and deep down, he would never say that to him. No, it's true. He would have he would have empathy and pity towards him. That's a fair point. That's which let me tell you, talk about a complete 180. The Jared Leto Joker. Yeah. Holy shit. I've watched that final scene, just that final scene, probably five times. It is so good. It's very like, I good. I would want a movie of just that. This is what I'm saying. I want a, I want Justice League colon apocalypse and to have it's not the big bad isn't dark side. We don't have to worry about getting to dark side. The big bad is that you have to conquer Superman. Mm. Superman's broken bad and now you got to deal with it. And I agree with you on that and I I think that might be the one big thing that would keep the studio from completely jumping into doing you know, finishing the dark side storyline is because as, as I was watching justice league, as much as I loved it, it does mirror Avengers, the infinity war end game, you know, maybe not as far as what the big bad was trying to do, but the fact that you have this big unstoppable planet killing force that's going around and now he's coming to fight the, and he's going through portal. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it was, it mirrored it in so many ways. Oh yeah. That I'm wondering if they did continue it, if it would be a HBO max only type of thing. I think, it you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't see like, I can see them seeing the success of this and saying, yeah, we'll pay for another four hour special. Um, but I don't think they're going to put it in theaters. They might, if they get, you know, ambitious, but, uh, I, I mean, at this point we don't, the, the theater system is going to change in the next five years, unfortunately. Um, so this is just the tip of the iceberg on that. I was thinking about this before I watched the movie 
I was like, do we really need another cyborg story? Because if you watch the DC animated movies, we've gotten and and you know Doom Patrol and and all these other things that have come mm-hmm. out, we've gotten like four cyborg stories in the last three years. So I was sitting there like, do we really need to do cyborg again? And I, after watching it, yeah, I think that it was an excellent idea to do cyborg again. And they did justice to the character, mm-hmm. and they they grew him into the essential element of the story that he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I so they, and really, they this said, was the this was the first mainstream cyborg story. I'll agree with you there. Yeah, this is the first mainstream. Um, I, I which is always weird to me. I always have to kind of differentiate uh, between the mainstream and what everything else is because I look at everything else and I'm like, but this thing is so cool over here, and everybody yeah. else is like, nah, I don't care about that thing. I want to just watch this shiny picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but at the same time. DC has done a great job of kind of branching out when it comes to adaptations. They they've done this story so many times. And yet this justice league, I didn't find to be tawdry or boring or frustrating. You know, there wasn't a moment where I was like, God, I really wish they were doing Shazam. I Mm kind of had maybe a half moment where I was like, I wish they would bring in a green lantern because I, I would just love the idea of bringing in a green lantern for the modern. I like that there was a green lantern for like a hot second in the heroic age, but like, I, I, I don't know. I, I really appreciated what they were able to turn this into, um, given what they were coming up against, because, you know, most movies when they're coming out, there's a level of anticipation. They don't usually have a level of dread, which has then been answered as yes, this is in fact terrible. And then you Mm -hmm. wait, four years and then you come back and you're like, Oh, maybe we can turn this terrible, awful movie into a good movie. Yeah. The level of euphoria leading up to this, I I was quite impressed with. And, you know, for me, especially I I did mention this last week that Superman is my favorite superhero ever. And as far as Zack Snyder's first two attempts at DC movies, being man of steel and Batman versus Superman, I thought they were both just garbage and I hated them. And so I was, and then when Justice League came out, not knowing how much of it was altered by Josh Whedon, I completely lost all faith in Zack Snyder until this movie came out. Now, mind you, there were still some parts of it, some of the slow motion, you know, he, he thinks he's Lars von Trier making a superhero movie in a couple shots. Yeah. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But, you know, overall, I, I, I got to say he did kind of bring me back into his camp as far as a fan of his work. Because after Watchmen, he didn't really make anything to make me get excited. No, I remember I saw Sucker Punch and I was like, well, that was disappointing. And I saw Man of Steel and I'm not like a big Superman fan. So I was intrigued by this darker, more brooding version of Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, But Batman v Superman, when I started hearing the reviews... And I heard fans like you talking about how important it is for Superman to be this beacon of light. If you want to do a story with him and Batman, it doesn't really work for them both to be these dark tower characters. I was like, Oh, you know what? That's an excellent point. And, and since then it's like, you have to, for me anyway, I have to filter these movies by this is the dark universe. This is Mm. even Superman is in this universe. He's, he's dark. He's, he he's had problems but they did have moments genuine moments like on ken farm where you're like oh he's superman he, he, mm-hmm. this guy's superman he's superman 
<laughs> I like how you say that like he's an infant. <laughs> oh, Henry Cavill Superman. Superman. I will say, um, and here's something that I did not think I was ever going to feel. Uh, did they redeem the death and return of Superman? I think they did. I think they they washed the stain, at least mostly out of that idea because it's been done to death and it's yeah. the single most uh frowned upon thing in superhero culture of like oh this was this was the jumping the shark moment was when superman died and then he came back and to have it be something where it wasn't like a latent power mm-hmm. where you know he was just a time bomb waiting to be reborn where it's like no a group of people had to get together and they had to try really really hard and the flash had to run at the speed of light and then able to revive superman like i i like that it adds see, so they, much more weight and body see for me they they did you know they, they fixed some of the problem with the death of superman and that but my big problem i had and i thought was such a huge missed opportunity on their part is doomsday needed to be a standalone movie the fact that they pigeonholed it's kind of like how they did venom at the end of spider-man 3 yeah you know what i mean Doomsday, if they would have had the Superman movies, uh, introduced the Batman character, introduced Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, had a Justice League movie, introduced a couple tertiary characters like Marvel did with Guardians of the Galaxy, and then had a movie of Doomsday, the death of Superman, where like in the comic, you have all the other superheroes are thrown at him and he just annihilates them. Yeah. And then there's the death of Superman and then have another movie being reign of the Superman where Superman comes back just like the comic. I mean, those two comic books are extremely cinematic and those two stories could have made phenomenal movies and they ended up pigeonholing them into separate stories where even though they did fix it in this justice league was fixing an awful problem with a piecemeal solution. To me, yeah. it's the problem. The main problem still isn't fixed because you had an opportunity at something truly great. Well, and like you can tell that they were never interested in in delving into the full depths of this because, like, even in Batman versus Superman, no one left the theater thinking Superman was actually dead. Not a single soul alive. Oh, there's some gullible people out there. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So we'll we'll set aside the gullibles. Right. Yeah. The gullies, the gullies. Yes. But like the sensible fans who saw the dirt. Oh, yeah. They know better. Basket, all of us were just like, he's not dead. He's 100 percent not dead. And we didn't need Henry Cavill tweeting out a picture of the black suit to know that he wasn't dead. Of course, mm. he wasn't dead. it's Superman. He never stays dead. Um, so I but I kind of like that. Did you watch the animated Death and, Re- and Reign of Superman? Yes. Oh, that was good. That was, that was really good. That. But like I, because I agree with you. If you had like, um, because it would have been like a Captain America, Tony Stark before Endgame kind of moment of just like, oh, this character that we've seen grow and change over you know the course of X number of movies, finally dying in in a, a real sensing or um, uh, profound way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by doing Doomsday in its own movie, um, that definitely would have had a much bigger impact than. Superman dies in the second movie. You know, that that's more of a like a, a 90s kind of like, we'll we'll do the first movie and then we'll do the sequel and the hero dies in the sequel. And then in the third movie, they bring the hero back. And it's so short-sighted in comparison mm. to what you could do with these stories. 
introduction of the reign of Superman, say you do like a, a standalone, the, the Batfleck movie they were originally going to do with Magnello as um, Slade Wilson. And imagine the end credit scene, you have Lois Lane sitting at her apartment grieving and you see just the back of Superman landing. Absolutely, because I even thought you could do can tell it's not completely superman it could be like the cyborg one saying lois i i'm back and like the look on her face and then end it there yeah. and then go into superman reign of the superman yeah it just seems to me like you know they they were so desperate to copy dc or to copy the mcu oh, yeah. that they did a horrible job of copying the mcu oh they they um i i use the term the they, they outround their coverage they they set up this idea and they were like, we're so excited. We're just going to bust right through it. Right. So we're not going to make any stops. And if there's any complaints, they can get flung to the side because we're getting there. We're getting there right now at warp speed. And it was like, no, this needs more nuance, guys. And Zack Snyder brought nuance, which is not something you hear a whole lot. Um, yeah. But he did. I will say this. This this was there were there were two things that I came out of this movie kind of laughing to myself over. And I can see them being complaints by others, but I, I personally find them more funny than anything else. First, you watch the movie with subtitles on. No. Okay. Uh, when you watch the movie with subtitles on, which by the way, HBO Max has the best subtitles. I don't know who does their subtitling, but it's amazing. I'm watching Justice League and every pew pew, like the the animated series, you get all these pew pews in the, the subtitles. It's great. Um, Al loves the, his pews. I, yeah. What can I say? Um, <laughs> Catholic boy, eh? Oh, um, God. <laughs> uh, but whenever Wonder Woman shows up, the I believe it was listed as ancestral lament in the subtitles. <laughs> that, that, that sting that comes up. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, by the time we got to the end, I was like, okay. The last one was like, eh, we didn't need this one. Um, so that was something where every single time it happened after the, the three-hour part, I was like, oh, really? We're doing this still? Okay, that's fine. Um, and But the other thing, and this is a little bit more, um, how badly does Darkseid need a secretary? Didn't write down where this planet was, and he lost a world-creating device, lost a... Uh, his his one true love, the anti-life equation, and he got his butt handed to him on this planet, and he just kind of happened to oopsie doopsie. I forgot which planet it was, and oh, was that in that box? Oh, also, yeah, that kind of bothered me. That kind of yeah. bothered me as well. I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna nitpick this, but it is definitely one of those moments of like, man, Darkseid needs to write stuff down. He, yeah. um, I am glad that he learned his lesson about shirts. Um, I think he's wearing a goddamn shirt and it's like, good for you. You, yes, learned. that's, I got, I got, his, it's, it's funny. No, I agree with you. That bothered me. That bothered me in, intensely. But you mentioned when you mentioned wonder woman, it made me think the one thing that really bothered me about this movie, and it's going to sound weird to, to the, the men listening to the women, you'll probably understand. There's a lot of jokey comics about, men going into battle fully armored and then women going into battle in like role-playing games or whatnot. And they're half naked. Right. And if you look at this movie, the battle scene at the end, when the doors open on the, the carrier, all of the men are head to toe armor and wonder woman is dressed in like a bathing suit. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, it is time put aside that crappy uniform 
that I am so that S and M, and it really is an S and M uniform that the guy that originally drew the comics was a dirty old bastard who oh, drew yeah. this S and M outfit. Him like the and they of- need to go to the full body suit that they have in the animated series and in some of the comic books. Well, like not only that, we now have this canon where she has this indestructible armor that she discovered sometime before eighty four. Isn't she wearing this when she goes to fight Steppenwolf? Yeah. Um, that that I won't hold against them because that's a retcon on the part of uh, Wonder Woman 84. But like, yeah, I definitely had that thought of like, man, I love how they're all all the guys are in costume and also Diana's in costume, but it, it never differentiates because she doesn't have a drastically different costume than what yeah. she wears every other day. I got to admit, the Wonder Woman character, I, I love the, the standalone Wonder Woman movie and I loved her in this movie. And this movie, though, made me dislike Wonder Woman 84 more because it made me realize that they made her a badass in the first movie and in Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. But in Wonder Woman 84, they made a, oh, look how pretty Gal Gadot is. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. And she was not a badass. No. And that bothered me. Uh, Kelly, my wife, put it best when she said Wonder Woman is the tank of the team. Wonder Woman's the one everybody else gets behind. And and that was yeah. awesome. She loves seeing that, that you have this woman who is just like, she's at the front of the battle and you don't really stand a chance until she gets there. Yeah, um, the only one stronger than her is Superman. And Steppenwolf is only afraid of her at first until yeah. Superman comes back. And he's the only one, or rather, she's the only one he taunts. He doesn't taunt Aquaman or he doesn't talk smack to Cyborg or Batman. He couldn't care less about them. The only one he's trying to psychologically get in the head of is Wonder Woman because he sees her as a threat. Yeah, and he's afraid of her. What was your take on the Flash? I love the Flash here. I thought that the use of the Flash here was excellent because Ezra Miller got tossed aside so many times uh, for this franchise, for this this universe. Um, I How many times have we heard that they're going to do a Flashpoint movie and just rewrite the whole thing? So like to have him come in and have this increased role, he's so good. And it's not just about bringing, you know, levity to everything that's going on. It's that he really brings a heart and soul to the movie that Batman isn't bringing. Cause he's too, he's too busy worrying about stuff and Aquaman's too busy being a loner. So like, it's not just that he brings in this, um, this, this funny, he brings in this, very real heart you know i love that moment where they're going over the plan to revive superman and cyborg's like so barry what's your role and barry's like i'm going to help cyborg open up the mother box with the power of love i'm going to help with a catastrophic energy surge and it's just like that is that's what i want that's what i needed out of this movie and he brought it he brought it so hard um, my wife talked about how in the scene where he's interviewing for the dog walking position, he gives a lot of behavioral uh, symptoms of an autistic person. He doesn't make eye contact. He's more interested in working with animals than with people. Um, and I thought that was that was a really interesting take on it because I didn't read that, but I can definitely see it now that she's pointed it out. And I think that's a very interesting way to go. I, I'm all for it. It also kind of explains his weird wonky run, which is like the only thing I, I didn't really care about for the Flash was that. Oh, where he throws his, his hands forward when he runs. Yeah, that that was I was like, eh, I'm 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 not about this. But even like changes to his core power, where it's not that he's like tapped into the Speed Force, he's like 
going through this 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 kind of uh, drift way where he kind of like just goes at super speed because he's in between dimensional levels. It's like, oh, this is this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah. No, he, it, it was good to have a a comic relief that wasn't over the top. Like he was he was obviously the comic relief for the movie. Uh, thanks to them removing all of the awful Ben Affleck bat jokes from the first Justice oh League, which were God. I am so happy the line the line I hated the most from the original is when he first meets Aquaman and says, So I hear you can talk to fish. Yeah. I hated that. Oh, I hated that. I was so happy that was taken out. But the one part I'm so glad was still in the the movie from the original was is one of is probably my favorite part in the whole Justice League when Ezra Miller is running behind Superman as he's fighting off the rest of the Justice League and then yes. Superman turns his head. The look on Ezra Miller's face of pure fear yeah. is hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that scene. That scene meant so much more after this cut. Um, like just everything about how Barry interacts in the story where he's, he's very unsure of himself, but he wants to be helpful. Um, he, he sticks to the plan when the plan has been already long since thrown in the gutter. Uh, mm-hmm. He, but like, I, I loved him. I loved everything about Ezra Miller's performance. Um, I love the flash TV show uh, and I love Grant Gustin, but I, you know, this was, this was excellent. This was a flash that we definitely needed and who brought his own style and energy and approach. And it was just, it, it felt so excellent to have those moments because like you know like i I, i'm watching the animated justice league show again and the flash and that has a very similar role on the team he's there not just to make jokes and not just to be the funny haha guy he's there to give soul and heart to the team so that they don't over focus on what they're doing well and if you if you think about it the flash saved the world in this movie he's the one that saved everybody yeah, he turned back time. We got a full flashpoint yeah. and everything. Yeah, without him, there ain't shit. No. Which I uh, it, it, I stopped watching the Flash TV show a while ago. I did enjoy it at first, but the whole CW TV shows got way too soap opery and way too nine hundred two one zero, and I I couldn't I couldn't stomach them anymore. But I did see the Crisis in Infinite Earth yeah. cameo of Ezra Miller. Yeah. which was awesome that's so good i love that they're just talking about each other's costumes and like exactly so that made me that made me hope that if there is a multiverse which i know that like you said the flashpoint supposedly that's filming because billy crudup they're they're talking about how they're recasting his father in it because billy crudup had um scheduling issues so he can't play the father in in the sandal flash movie so that makes me think that it is actually filming um but now here's here's my concern what's that they've taken it out and brought it back a few times from their their turnstile of movies that are coming out well they got so spooked with how bad batman versus superman and then justice league did Uh that they got scared but then when they saw the success of wonder woman and aquaman i think they're like all right and now after this i'm a i'm hoping they learn their lesson and b i think it will restart the machine that is the DCEU 
It'll at least um, collapse some elements down and probably give it a better name. Yeah, you have to. You can call it the but, Flashpoint you know, universe now. The problem with the Flashpoint, though, is, is how close are they going to stay to canon? Because to me, the the and the DC animated Flashpoint movie is pure genius, and oh they don't God. need to do anything other than that. But are they going? I mean, they did kind of set up a history of animosity between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. They did. They did, which was subtle, but extremely well done. Yeah. So I could see that. And you know what? Now that I think about it, they did take out that scene from the original, which was poorly placed where Jason Momoa was sitting on the lasso of, yep. of truth and starts saying how hot she is and all that. I'm like, that's not funny. No. And so they took that out, and that did make this – they did set it up where it could potentially happen because there obviously was some kind of an attraction between them, but there was also the animosity between the two people. Well, here's an idea for you because I was thinking about this yesterday, and now that we're talking about Flashpoint, it's much more possible because Flashpoint just means that anything can happen. Um, I was thinking about this Batman and uh, how the fan reaction to him – just straight up murdering people. Um, and I I was like, how much better would these movies be from an adaptation standpoint, from a fan standpoint? And how much more surprising would it be? You don't leak this ahead of the schedule or anything, but in Batman v Superman, when Lex Luthor introduces Clark Kent to Batman, what if he introduces him as Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne? Mm. And suddenly, so many elements of this line up, and it opens so many doors. And yeah. and I'm thinking back, and they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne. Which he would be a perfect... You could 100% reboot this with Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Without a second thought in my mind. And it would be amazing. And you, I mean, it doesn't even need a reboot, but like that idea is so tempting as soon as i thought about it, i was like oh my god i would love to see a version of these movies where instead of bruce it's thomas wayne and that's why this batman is so different from any mm-hmm. other batman we've seen and instead of jesse eisenberg anybody is lex luther yes literally anybody hire my cat as lex luther i'll shave her head yeah i i mean like you could you could find rocks that um, would be a better Lex Luthor. I I like Jesse Eisenberg as an actor. Uh, I just hate the writing for this Lex Luthor. And it was just he's just he's not imposing enough, you know. No, you can't take this man seriously. Who would take this man no. seriously? Putting Jolly Ranchers into people's mouths. Come on, what are we doing? So, um, uh, what what are your feelings about where they go from here? What are you hoping to see? I mean, honestly. It's kind of tough. I almost wish they would just reboot the whole thing. Because I'll be honest, I I like this movie. I, I, I like Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. I like Ezra Miller as The Flash. You know, Ben Affleck, once again, we talked about it. He, he pretty much has said he's not really looking to do the Batman thing anymore. They just have so much of a bad foundation with... Yeah. And, you know, I love Henry Cavill. You know, The Witcher is one of my favorite TV shows. I love him in most things he does. But to me, even though he looked the part as Superman, he was not a good choice for that character because he makes a bad Clark Kent. I can see that. 
I can you see know what I mean? A very bland Clark Kent. There's not really anything there. You need a bland, but you need somebody that can play it off. Like that's what made Christopher Reeve so brilliant. Right. Is he is this tall, imposing figure, but he played him in a way that it would be believable that no one would look at him and be like, Oh yeah, that's Clark Kent. I mean, well, even exactly. it's bland, but it's not flavorless. This yes. was just bland. I mean, even what's his face in uh, Superman returns, Brendan, Brandon Roth. Yeah. He played a pretty decent Clark Kent because he yeah. made him seem kind of inauspicious, but you look at um, Henry Cavill, there's not one part that you look at him and be like, Oh yeah, that's definitely Superman. Like every time you look at him, you're like, that's fucking Superman. You put as many glasses on him as you can. That's Superman. Cause it's just his, his attitude, the way he acts. And I always thought that one of the stupidest things they did at the end of Batman versus Superman, you know, all the other death of Superman, they just played it off as Clark Kent was missing after going on, a, a you know, looking for a story. Mm-hmm. And then when they killed him, it's yeah. like, how do you explain Clark, Clark Kent coming back from the death? I was thinking about that. I was like, he had a grave. He had a he had a funeral. Yeah. It Everyone knows Clark Kent is dead. There was a body in the coffin. Yeah. Holding a picture dead. of the guy from Field of Dreams. Yeah. But it's like, how? how that was the dumbest. I was so mad about that. I still am because like, you see him at the end of, of Dawn of Justice. Or not Dawn of Justice. Um. Dan of Justice League, uh-huh. where he's walking the streets of Metropolis dressed as Clark Kent again, I would be running going, it's a zombie! Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was like, oh man, Perry White's going to have so many questions. Like, just so many questions. And you're going to need a Pulitzer Prize winning author like Lois Lane to sell this story, because no one's going to buy it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my take. They made, you know, they made this a great movie. But now it's time to say, all right, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. Let's learn from them. Even if you reboot it and keep the two mains being Momoa and um, Gal Gadot, and then also um, What's-His-Face who plays Shazam, you know, keep those three, work off of them, include the new Suicide Squad and the characters that are in that movie as far as the villains and kind of incorporate all that together and kind of reboot the whole thing. You know, once again, as much as I'd like Henry Cavill, find a new Superman, somebody that can do both roles. Because once again, I go back to the whole Quentin Tarantino at the end of Kill Bill Volume 2. Clark Kent is as important, if not more important than Superman. Because Clark Kent is the other identity. He sells the concept of the character. Absolutely. It'd be like Absolutely. having a coin and then not somehow having only one face of the coin. There's no, you have to have two faces. Yes. And, you know, get away from the whole, once again, I, I give, even though I give Zack Snyder credit on this movie, because it, it, it turned out well, the one thing that Christopher Nolan did great. And what I know they were aiming for with rebooting the Superman and all this, he made realistic, gritty, superhero movies that looked like uh, you know it didn't take itself overly serious as far as like the filmmaking it just said okay what we're going to do is we're going to make a movie that could happen in real life and this is what you know it's going to look like just a normal person made it yeah you get these Zack snyder movies and once again for those of you who have not seen a large von Trier movie He's a guy that directed Antichrist and Nymphomaniac. Um, great. He, he has these beautiful shot scenes that look like they're a painting, but they don't belong in a superhero movie. And, 
And it makes you think, wow, this guy is really sniffing his own ass. Yeah. Yeah. And he smells I, roses. <laughs> yeah, there there was there was definitely that moment of like, oh, okay, we're doing more slow motion. Um, which is like it's a Zack Snyder thing. I, I love that um if you take the slow motion out of three hundred, it's like forty five minutes long. <laughs> like seriously, like it, it's it's nothing. It's it's like half an hour because there's so much slow motion in that movie. Um so like the guy has a has a has a, a deal and I get that and that's cool but like I definitely felt like similar to what we were talking about with you know how uh, the ancient lament sting for whenever Wonder Woman showed up on screen um, I I definitely feel like after hour three you kind of get to this point where the tropes are a little trope heavy at this point um, because by now we would be done with the movie in most cases but yes. keep on with these tropes you're like okay no i i get it oh i get it oh i 100 percent get it no i agree with you and it you know it, right now we're nitpicking for those of you who are li- who are listening uh, you know we're not backtracking we we both still love the movie but we got to oh, give wow. our got to give a give and take we can't we can't just be uh licking and kissing the thing the whole time we got to point out the the ugly little side effects of uh being a Zack snyder film yeah you know it, but, it's 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 beautiful because it's imperfect. That's what it is. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were. Do uh, you want to talk about mother boxes? No. Let's save that for next week because that'll that'll go into the topic as far at hand. For those of you that did not uh, that are kind of listening here and there, next week's episode is going to be on um, certain things that have to do with canon that films take liberties with. Uh, one of them is the mother boxes from this. Uh, this movie, how they uh, differ from the source material. Uh, we're going to discussing that along with other films. To me, you know, there are quite a few. There's one standout, but I'll save that. I'll save that for next week. I don't want to. I, I got, I, I got my one. Uh, the the movie I've named this this kind of um, instance in filmmaking after because it's so prevalent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's not let's not give away too much on our. our no, 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 no. We got to play because... some cards close. Oh yeah, people, you you got to you got to listen. You got to listen to our genius. I mean, if you haven't heard, we know absolutely nothing, but we make it sound great. What is sex without the teasing? It's nothing. That's oh, what see, now is. you took this podcast into a different level, dude. <laughs> was that too far? Was that the bridge too far? Well, I do refer to you as my lovely co-host. I don't need people starting rumors, but. Well, they haven't seen my sequin dress yet either. Ah. Yeah, but it just doesn't fit with your, your shoes, but. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think we beat this horse to death. Yeah, uh, it, it has gone over a half hour. As you can tell, when we get talking, a half hour is just not enough time. So from now on, uh, expect this show to be between a half hour and an hour. It's going to vary around that time. We will not go over an hour because I don't even want to listen to myself talk that long. Yeah, at that point, I would just be like, I, do I have to listen back to this? Do I have to listen to the whole thing? Yeah, exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in once again every Wednesday. Look for us on the podcast uh, service of your choice. We are once again hopefully going to be getting on to Apple Podcasts soon. Uh, I am once again Steve Taylor. I am Alfred Judson. And you all have a lovely evening. Good night, friends and enemies. <laughs>